Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. When we're setting up our group programs to hold our clients together as a cohort, to move them towards similar goals at a similar cadence, it's not as easy as just putting a bunch of people in a room and expecting it to work. But that's how we're sort of traditionally taught to run a group program. We're not taught the ins and outs of creating intimacy in that space. We're not taught how to create connection between the people in that room. We're not taught how to make sure everyone feels seen and heard in that room. And in order for a group coaching program to work, in order for it to feel fulfilling and not draining, in order for us to create really profound change with everybody in that room without falling into the role of having to actually coach them one-to-one in the background just to make sure they stick to what it is we discussed as a group that week or just to make sure they're getting as much out of that experience as they would be in a one-to-one setting, there are some very important pieces we have to have in place because without them, without them, we're just putting a bunch of people in a room, crossing our fingers and hoping that they see the value of community and that they feel seen by us without us really ever taking the step to ensure that that's happening, okay? Traditionally, We throw group programs together when we get to a point where we don't have the capacity to work with any more one-to-one clients, A. B, we wanna make more money with less time, right? Or C, we think that that's the obvious next step as a coach. We think that once we've done the one-to-one thing, we want to ascend into a group coaching model because that's just what everybody else does and that's what many, many business gurus, business coaches, business mentors preach that that is your progression. That's what, that's the path everyone takes, essentially. That's what makes the most sense. But before you throw yourself into creating a group program, I think it's first very important for you to understand what you want to get out of it. Okay. I ran many group programs during my time as First, a personal trainer. Second, as an online nutrition coach. Third, as an online nutrition coach or nutrition business coach. And then now, inside of what I've created with trigger mapping. And every group program I ran up until the one I'm currently running failed for reasons that I now understand, but at the time felt invisible to me. So I want to share those with you really quickly before I share how I suggest running a group program. The reason why the group programs with my nutrition clients failed, why they didn't fulfill me, why they felt like a grind, why people fell off, why people didn't come to the calls, was because there was no intimacy in the room. I essentially was using the group to create some sort of accountability for my people as they worked through background curriculum, as they watched trainings that I provided each week, and as they navigated their own way through resources. 
which makes sense, right? That's, that's kind of how most group programs work. There's, there's the group that they come into to receive feedback, support, accountability with you in that room with them. And then in the background, there's usually some sort of material, some sort of lesson that they're moving through on their own. That's why, that's why it works. That's why it's appealing because we don't have to hold their hand through every step. We have things working for us so we can take back some of our time. But the thing we have to realize about nutrition clients is that unless they understand why they're watching a lesson, unless they understand why this is actually more powerful for them than being held through this journey in a one-to-one -one capacity, they are not going to follow through. They're just simply not going to adhere. People are not intrinsically motivated to watch a lesson every single week and do their homework on their own and show up to the support calls without some sort of internal driver getting them there. Okay, the reason why my, my previous like six group programs failed is because I didn't understand that. I expected my clients to be as intrinsically driven as I was, as other entrepreneurs are, as other coaches are, because that's all I've experienced. The only group programs I had been a part of were filled with other people just like me. And I imagine it's probably very similar for you. You've probably been in other group programs filled with people just like you who invest a lot of money to show up and learn and implement and take action and be on those calls and ask your questions. But your clients are not wired like you, okay? So in order to intrinsically motivate someone to wanna show up to those calls, there has to be a few things in place. One, there needs to be a deep intimacy in those rooms. The reason why my current group program with trigger mapping is so successful and why the show up rate to those calls is so high and why the completion rate of the curriculum is like three or four times over what it ever was previously is because of the intimacy I create in those rooms. I make sure when someone is on that call with me, they feel seen by me. I make sure I slow down and I connect with every single person in that room. Now I realize not every group model can allow for this, but that's why, that's why I really want you to explore what do you want out of these rooms? Because for me, if I had 50 people in that room, I couldn't see everybody. I couldn't connect with everybody. I wouldn't be able to provide the, the necessary holding, the necessary vulnerability, the necessary dialogue to really intimately explore why someone is struggling, what their friction points are, and pull out of them what I need to know so that I can guide them powerfully forward. When we limit how many people we allow into a room, we allow that intimacy to occur. We allow intimacy between us and our students and we allow intimacy between each of them because they no longer feel like just one other face in the room. They now get to know everybody else in the room. They now get to relate to everybody else in the room through the conversations that you're having. And that leads me to the second point. Intimacy isn't just about the space you're holding and your ability to connect with each person. Intimacy depends deeply on the conversations you're guiding them through. The conversation in that room cannot be, did you follow the plan this week? It cannot be, 
Where are you struggling? What do you need help with? It can't be, did you do your action steps? It can't be anything to do with surface level goals. It can't have anything to do with surface level accountability or consistency. Okay, the conversation in that room needs to be so much more about what's going on internally for them. Okay, we can, we can start the conversation by exploring what were your friction points this week? Where did you feel triggered this week? Where did your expectations not get met this week? Where did you feel disappointment? Where did you fall into a place of self-doubt? Where did you fall into a place of self-celebration? Where did things go better than you expected? And allowing them to feel stripped down in that moment, to be truly seen and witnessed in that moment. Because if all we do is skim the surface and just use that room to make sure everybody's following some bullshit surface level plan, just so we can push them to an, an end result so we can prove that our group program works, we're missing the whole point of a group. The whole point of a group is intimacy and vulnerability, is connection and community, and we can't just expect that to organically happen without us guiding people into that space. When someone comes into a group, they aren't immediately open. They aren't immediately vulnerable. There needs to be trust built there and there needs to be safety built there in order for that to evolve with time, in order for that to blossom with time. The fastest way I know how to do this is to go deep into their true struggle, their true pain, and swim around in it in front of everybody else for a good amount of time and really dedicate yourself to understanding their struggle. Really dedicate yourself to understanding where have they always struggled? What have they always desired? Not just in that first call when we're setting goals, but every single week. Every single week, strip them down. Every single week, normalize the struggle that occurred. Allow that pain to be in the room. Allow that frustration to be in the room. Allow each of your group members to feel each other and relate to each other in that way. The conversation needs to be about changing the way that they're interpreting their reality changing the way that they're setting expectations for themselves, shifting belief structures so that they feel more open to the advice you have to offer them. When someone enters into a group program, their primary belief is likely, I just need to show up and I'll get the result. I just need to follow the plan and I'll get the result. But we know that that's not true. We know that it's not about the plan. We know that it's so much more about their internal struggle, about the mental and the emotional patterns that they're battling every single day in silence. And this is a room where they get to be heard in that pain, in that struggle. That's why group programs are actually so much more powerful than a one-to-one -one setting, in my opinion. Because when someone can vulnerably share their struggle in a room of strangers, now they're being witnessed in that struggle, not just by themselves, not just by you, but by people who can relate to them. And it's through that witnessing of others that they learn how to witness their, themselves, that they learn that it's okay to struggle, that, that these things are so common, that this isn't something that they're moving through alone. Okay? 
if we can create this kind of intimacy in the room, now we also relieve ourselves of the pressure of needing to make sure everyone is following every step of the plan. Because the conversation leads into accountability and consistency and adherence. Like when we talk about where someone's truly struggling, we don't have to ask them if they're being consistent. We'll know. We don't have to convince them to try harder this week or to give them another action step. We get to actually explore the real reason why they didn't do what they knew that they needed to do in the first place or why they're doing things that they know they shouldn't be. Those conversations are much more valuable. They are much more important. So I highly recommend that when you're setting up your group program, the accountability piece, it comes from being witnessed. It comes from exposing themselves. It comes from stripping down all of the excuses and all of the justifications and all of their expectations and self-judgments in that room and looking at what's actually happening on a real, raw, transparent level and helping them to put words to what they're experiencing and letting them get frustrated with you and letting them get uncomfortable and letting them not know what to say or how to say it and holding that space for them without fixing, without teaching, but simply witnessing. It's amazing how powerful that room can become when it becomes a safe place for people to be heard. When it transforms from a room that they come to just to get their next action step into a room they come to to be witnessed, to really understand themselves and to witness each other, to be there for each other. It's an incredible shift and it's so much more rewarding for you and it relieves you of a lot of the responsibility, a lot of the weightiness that we often feel in a group program to reach out to each person in a one-to-one -one capacity to make sure they're getting what they need. You'll know they're getting what they need. You will leave those calls feeling complete. That's when your lessons that you provide them in the background, the resources you send them, you know that they're going to be eagerly wanting to consume those because of what happened in the room that week with you, with each other. Now there are two ways to set up a group program. You can either have it cohort-based, where everyone starts at the same time and everyone's walking that journey at the same time, or you can have people join at any time. So there will be some people eight weeks into their journey, there will be some people at three weeks, and the room gets to exist for all of them. Both are great. I've done both and currently have group programs that exist with both models. The cohort-based model, it's easier to strip everybody down at the same time in the beginning. I love to suggest having your first session be about exposing, be about understanding what's really going to take place in these rooms. We have to pre-frame it, right? Remember, people are coming into a group program with the understanding, or with the expectation rather, of how it's going to be. They've probably been in a group program before, where they were just another face in the room. They could keep their screen off and not really be seen and kind of skirt by and do the bare minimum and get mediocre results because of that. It's really important that we, we set the stage differently for a cohort. So my favorite thing to do with a cohort is to dig deep into what has kept them stuck in the past. 
why they are here right now with you, willing to be seen by other people. What's going to happen in these rooms? How it's going to feel to be exposed. How it's going to feel to talk about struggle. Why they don't get to be silent. How you're going to connect with each and every one of them. What it is you're really going to be pulling out of them. We're going to talk about emotion. We're going to talk about your thought patterns. We're going to talk about when you got triggered this week and how shitty that felt. And we're going to talk about moving you forward, but not in the sense of action steps and rah-rah pep talks and high fives, but in the form of what you really need to understand about how your mind works and how you feel about yourself in your life and how you're reacting to the triggers that are happening all around you all of the time and what that really means in terms of this journey. Creating space around these patterns, holding non-judgmental moments of when we're getting triggered and really looking at why am I getting triggered by this? What is happening right now? What's happening in my body? What's happening in my mind? And then bringing all of that to the room and talking about it so we can navigate friction points together so that we can see each other, see ourselves in each other. It is so powerful to allow someone to break down and be seen on a deep emotional level on that very first call. It sets the stage for the, the atmosphere that they can expect on those calls moving forward. And it instantly allows them to open up every single time you connect, every single time you come together. Because they know it's safe to. Because you know that's what this room was built for. Because they know that you've got them. They can trust you. Because they've already exposed themselves. They've already talked about their struggle. They've already felt seen and heard. Okay, so cohorts can be so powerful in that way. If you choose not to do a cohort, and you choose rather to have anybody be able to come at any time, that's how trigger mapping is. But that's why the onboarding process is so crucial. That's why I talk to every one of my students, one-to-one, -one, before I admit them into the program. I wanna know everything about you. I want to know where are you struggling. I want to know what you believe to be true about yourself and this journey. I want to know what expectations you have. I want to know how success is going to feel for you. I want to know how failure is going to feel and what you think failure really is. I want to know what your patterns are and what your triggers are and how aware you are of what's happening emotionally in your body when your expectations aren't being met or you feel yourself pulling back or resisting change. Like, I want to know all of these things about you before you're ever in a room. For the exact same reason I do this in the cohort as a group, because I want you to feel seen by me. I want you to feel understood by me. I don't want you to get into a room and feel like you can hide because you can't. I don't want a group program to be an excuse to not be seen, to exist just beneath the surface, to just move through action steps. That is not what a group program is for. A group program is about exposing. It is about being intimate. It is about building connections and relationships with people who know you at the deepest level, perhaps better than anybody else in their life knows you. So if you ran a group program that sucked your soul dry, if you ran a group program that no one adhered to, if you ran a group program that no one showed up to the calls in, that felt very superficial, that felt very on the surface, this is your invitation to look at how are you creating intimacy? 
what were the conversations like in that room? Was it about the plan and the next action step? And here's your education for the week? Or is it about what was really going on with them and creating a space for them to learn how to talk about that? Did you onboard them as cohorts? Or did you just throw people into a room together and expect a connection to happen organically? The thing about connection and vulnerability is that you as a leader must be willing to go first. You must be willing to be vulnerable in that room or you have no, no feet to stand on, no legs to stand on when it comes to asking other people to be vulnerable with you. You must be the one to go first. You must be the one to share openly. You must be the one to ask the hard questions. You must be the one to hold really uncomfortable space when everything in you is screaming to teach it or fix it away. When someone reacts emotionally, gets frustrated, perhaps you accidentally trigger them. It is vulnerable for you to not leap in and smooth that situation out to make them feel better. You have to have the courage to hold that space. You have to have the courage to not just push their emotion aside. You need to teach that room that it's safe to be emotional. My people know in trigger mapping rooms, emotion is welcome. Emotion is safe. We don't apologize for tears. Inevitably, someone cries on every call. We don't apologize. We all just sit there with them and hold them. It's just known now that's what we do. I don't have to say it. I don't have to make them feel better. It just gets to exist. And through those tears, a lot of deep transformation occurs. A lot of, it's very therapeutic to be seen in that way and not feel like you need to run away or hide or excuse yourself. So does that happen in your room? And if it doesn't, look in the mirror because it starts with you. Are you willing to get emotional on those calls? Are you willing to admit things that feel hard for you? Are you willing to talk about your own friction points? Or are you too busy posturing yourself as the expert? It all starts with how you show up in those rooms. I get asked all the time, how is there so much intimacy in your Facebook group? How is there so much intimacy on your group calls? Because I'm willing to be intimate because I'm willing to go first, because I'm willing to feel triggered and not react to it, because I'm willing to hold someone in a really emotional moment and not fix it or smooth it out and make them feel better. That is how, and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and practice and perseverance and a willingness to look more within yourself at the parts of you that feel uncomfortable with that, at the parts of you that reject that idea and really get to know that piece of you. Why does that feel uncomfortable? Why are you rejecting that? And inside of those questions, what parts of yourself are you rejecting because you aren't willing to go there? What parts of you need to be seen and heard in order to show up and make other people feel seen and heard? Group programs can be some of the most potent rooms you will ever hold, but it can't be surface level. It can't be about the trainings. It can't be about the education. It can't be just about accountability. And you can't expect a community to just spontaneously be created for connection to just occur because none of that will happen. You have to lead it. You have to create it. You have to go first. I hope this was so helpful. I can't wait to see you inside of this new step. If you have any questions, of course, reach out and I'll see you soon. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapobrin.com. See you next time.